Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome to Passage to Profit. The Inventor's Show. Where we're all about intellectual property and business. This is Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, a full-service intellectual property law firm. Do you have a patent, trademark, or copyright issue? Well, if you do, he's the guy you want to talk to. This is Elizabeth Gearhart. I am not an attorney, but I do work at Gearhart Law. I do the marketing. And I just love it because I get to meet all these wonderful entrepreneurs all the time. But about the show, we start off by interviewing a successful business person. And we love to interview entrepreneurs, too, and talk about their intellectual property as well as their new businesses and the future that they're creating. In fact, today, we have an executive spotlight and two amazing entrepreneurs after our guest. But first, we want to do IP in the news. I found this on entrepreneur.com, posted by Matthew Humphreys, the senior editor. It was originally on PC Mag. And the title of it is, New Bill Would Make Amazon and eBay Liable for Counterfeits. That is music to my patent attorney ears. We have so many clients who are constantly fighting with counterfeiters. If the Amazon and eBay had to be responsible for it, too, that would solve a lot of problems. Right. So the name of the bill that's being proposed is called the Shop Safe Act. And it proposes a set of common sense measures to tackle this problem. It establishes trademark liability for companies selling counterfeits. So, you know what? We love patents and we think they're super important. But you know what? Trademarks. Even the trademarks. And now the trademarks are becoming even more important because of hopefully this bill will pass. You know, it's probably it's got to wind its way through Congress and got to be signed by the president and everything. But uh, counterfeiting Uh, is a huge problem for anybody who's selling on one of the online platforms. And the advantage is that if we do get this bill, then it will help Americans and American products and American jobs because so much of what is on these platforms now is, is counterfeit. It's infringing and it's stolen technology. Right, and they sell it for cheaper, and it's sometimes inferior quality, so your brand takes a huge hit. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's hope that the ShopSafe bill makes it through. Call your house representative. So you get to do the next one since you found this one. This is Patent Palooza, and I'm going to hold this up for our Instagram viewers. We're going to put this on Instagram, and also anybody who's following us on video, this is the infamous chicken with glasses patent. It was actually filed by Andrew Jackson Jr. in 1903. We don't know if he's any relation to the famous general or not, but it's patent number 730,918. And it says no model. And do you know what that means? No. Up until 1870, this is a bit of patent trivia for you. If you wanted to get a patent, you had to put a model into the patent office, right? And so over time, the patent office became just deluged with all these <laughs> models. <laughs> and it and took I can't him, even imagine. And, and it just literally took them 50 years to figure out what to do with all these models because, you know, nobody claimed them and the government didn't own them. So eventually they made a patent model museum, I guess. So, Richard, have you ever seen a chicken wearing glasses? No, but I'm serious. This is still a thing. Over 100 years later, you can go to your local farmer's store and you can buy sunglasses for chickens. They're still very popular, I guess, amongst chickens. I mean... (laughs) So they don't poke each other's eye out? That's basically the reasoning behind it. So um, save your chicken's eyes, get your chicken glasses. I mean, I'm sure they have like the Elton John models and... So if you, if you don't want to have to find this yourself, but you want to see the picture, just go to the Instagram account. Right. Very inventive, I must say. You should check out the picture because it says on the title of the patent is for chickens, but it looks like it's a rooster that's actually posing with the sunglasses. <laughs> and this guy looks really bad. I mean, this is a bad looking rooster. Check out the patent on our social media. Okay, so I'm going to give you a small update on Fireside, the video directory site that I am building. I had my first paying customer for a video yesterday. Woohoo! It wasn't a lawyer, but I am shooting interview videos in Summit, and I am getting people who are very interested in having the videos done, and I have a professional videographer, and I'm just putting the word out there and making progress, so we'll see what happens. That's really good news. Congratulations. And how can people find Fireside? It's fireside.directory. 
So there's no .com. It's just fireside.directory. And if you're a professional lawyer, especially, you can get a short video that allows prospective clients to see what you're like, hear what you sound like, understand your priorities, and it's a great way to reach new clients, right? Well, I think people like to do as much as they can online now. And so they're online and they're looking for somebody and they don't really want to call them up yet. But then if they can see a video, they get a lot of information in a short period of time. Coming up next, I just want to say a few words about the New York Toy Fair. I was there last week and it was amazing. First time I'd ever been there. We had a client who has a large booth there and it was really nice to meet them for the first time. But we also saw Kevin Lane, who's been on the program. He's sort of a passage to profit success story. He happened to win the top award for the best outdoor toy at New York Toy Fair. And the phone's been ringing off the hook. He's just had so many offers from potential clients, stores. It's really just opened up a whole new world for him. It has. I was talking to him on LinkedIn last night. We were messaging each other. And he's one after another listing out these brick and mortar and these online sites that all want his product. And he's developing more and more and improving it constantly. And it's create a castle. You use it to create a sand castle or a snow castle, but it's got all these little lights. It's really elaborate. It's amazing. He's trying to do an indoor version. He's in Australia. And he's going to be in New Zealand in brick and mortar. It blows my mind. Who'd have known that making castles could be so profitable. But he has a special way of doing it so that you unbuckle it and pull the molds apart, the halves apart, so that your castle doesn't collapse. It's called Create a Castle, if you're interested. Right. And he has utility patents and design patents, and he has these neat little lights that you put on the castle after you've taken it out of the mold. It just looks fantastic. You really got to check it out. Unfortunately, he's not a Gearheart Law client, but we love him anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But we do have a Gearheart Law client here who he'll be on in a little bit. That's Um, right. You are listening to Passage to Profit on WOR 710, The Inventor's Show, and we'll be right back after these messages. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our guest today is a good friend of mine, Liz Gall-Lerner. I love Liz and I love what she does. She helps people fix themselves as much as possible. <laughs> Better for some than others. <laughs> what are you the, doing after the show? <laughs> from, <laughs> from the inside out. But seriously, I feel like I've had to do a lot of work on my brain and she helps business owners figure out who they are and how to make themselves work better. So welcome, Liz. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. You have a number of different things going on. You and I had talked about a few of them. One of them was being present. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is super, super important about living your life to the fullest and having your business operate to the fullest is really being able to be present in the moment. So you always know actually what's going on inside of you and what's going on around you. And you can make the right choices in your conversations and your strategy, really helping things move forward in a a really cohesive, strategic way. So you've been doing brain work for a long time. You have a practice. I'm a psychotherapist and transformational coach. Actually, I'm working on a fabulous new thing called Enlightened Communication Through Luminous Living. And through that, people find really what parts of themselves they're working with. If my protector shows up and I'm not feeling comfortable in my business discussion, I need to know who's operating inside me. And I can say, oh, I'm going to make that protector my champion. And I'm going to actually say, oh, sir, I am so excited to be speaking with you. I have this fabulous product and I am 
showing you what it's all about versus, uh-oh, I don't know what they're going to do or say to me and how am I going to react, right? So you come in totally prepared. So for staying present, what does it mean to be present? So we all think that we're present and many of us might actually be present in the moment, but often we might be having lunch with someone and um, be thinking actually about the last conversation we had with them instead of actually the conversation we are. So if I'm having lunch with you, Richard, and I'm thinking about a conversation we had three weeks ago and you annoyed me for some reason and I'm sitting there living that annoyance. Oh, he can annoy people. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) I I might not actually be present to what you're actually saying to me. And so I'm really not living in the moment. I'm kind of having a story about you or about the conversation that doesn't allow me to really hear you and really respond to what we're actually talking about in that moment. If you're thinking about some interaction you had several weeks ago with the person that you're talking with, doesn't that sort of add to the conversation in the sense that you're kind of re-experiencing the past and then you're building on that? Yeah, it can if you use it well. But sometimes what happens is people are actually just reacting emotionally to something that isn't happening in the moment, isn't happening that day. And so unless they're actually going to talk about what's happening or what they're feeling, then their whole conversation is directed by something entirely outside of the realm of the moment. So it could ruin a really good business deal. It could ruin a relationship. It could, you know, somebody sitting there going, I wonder why that person has that expression on their face or why they're having that tone with me. You know, I don't remember there being any problem, right? But there is. Is there one problem that people have that entrepreneurs especially maybe kind of a common thing that they need to work on? A couple of clients that I have are consistently working on how do they actually say what they want to say to the CEO in their company? Mm. That is a tough one. (laughs) So how do they leave the conversation in their head about what that person might say or how they might react to their idea or their product? And just come out with it in a way that is aligned with their true heart. You know, they're just actually saying what they mean instead of trying to figure out um, how it's just best going to be received. And so what kind of advice do you give them? The first thing that I ask people to do is really look back at why they are assuming that someone is going to say something in particular. So looking back into their own history and saying, oh, you know, I've gotten this response a lot before, so I'm just anticipating it. So if they stop anticipating it and actually strategize and look at, you know, what their experience of that actual person is versus their history, again, back to present in the moment, they actually speak very, very differently and they're received very, very differently. And actually, the past three clients I've had recently have had incredible successes because they all of a sudden decided to, with a little bit of work and looking back, just say, oh, you know, I really get that I think somebody's going to be judging me in this particular way. And now I see that I have no reason to feel that way. I think what happens sometimes is um, people are not aware of when they're emotionally charged or they get frustrated. And then they have to figure out how to do what you do. That is so true. People don't, and I'm guilty of this myself, don't even realize when I'm reacting emotionally to something sometimes. But I would love it if everybody just kind of did what you're teaching people to do and started fresh with the person each conversation and wasn't like thinking about that stupid thing I said a year ago. (laughs) Right, right. Right. We all do it. We all show up with our history. But I believe that communication is the key to absolutely every relationship that we have. And if we can understand that We don't have to be reactive. We actually can find that inner neutrality and see what we really want, what our vision is in all of these different situations. Then we just multiply our successes over and over again in every conversation we have. And your programs train people to do that? Yeah. My program, the Enlightened Communication Through Luminous Living, trains people to do that. Um, I do a Divorce Well and Thrive program that has been remarkably successful. It's a whole different vision of how people change their relationships, reform their relationships. And if people... People do want to learn more about the enlightened communication piece, they can sign up for the list on yourinspiredchoices.com forward slash EC dash LL. If I can just ask a question about Please. the trademark. Yeah, okay. let's go back to the oh, trademark. Yeah, sure. So what made you decide to trademark that? Because I knew 
that I would want to be using it in a variety of ways in the future. And so for all of my programs that are trademarked, there's content, there's um, method, there's documented pieces that I want to make sure are protected. I think sharing information is really important, Mm -hmm. but I also think ownership of what your creation is, is really important as well. That's great. So we're here with Liz Gall Lerner talking to us about staying present and doing head and heart work, all things that are essential for entrepreneurs. This is Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart. We'll be right back after this message. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gerhart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. If you're just tuning in, we're just finished some great discussions with Liz Gall Lerner about being present and working with your head as well as your heart. If you missed the earlier part of the show, you can hear it all on our podcast, which will be available on the Passage to Profit webpage tomorrow. You can also follow us on Instagram and visit our new YouTube channel. Watch the shows and subscribe to it. And you can also check us out on the iHeart app. We're in the business section. So now coming up, we have Josh Scharf. And Josh and I really didn't talk about how you wanted to be introduced before the show. So I'm just going to wing it here. Josh is a client of ours. He's been a client of Gearheart Law since like 2007. It's amazing that we've managed to maintain a relationship for that long. (laughs) (laughs) Considering considering our mutual personalities. Well, I'm not going to say anything here. (laughs) But Josh has been making consumer products forever and sourcing them out of China. And so, of course, we're all wondering What's going on with the coronavirus, and why are our products covered in germs? Uh, <laughs> Richard, that's a wonderful question. I've been uh, manufacturing in Asia in general for well over 30 years, and not only for my products, but also for clients' products, uh, mostly Fortune 100s. So I'm kind of a bit of an expert in terms of how to produce, where to produce, and what the issues are. Uh, What we're facing here is really the perfect storm in China. Under normal conditions, every year, there is Chinese New Year. Typically, the factories start closing down in mid-late January. They come back in mid-late February, uh, and they start up again. Uh, This particular year, because of the slowdown in orders from North America, factories started closing down earlier, like at the end of December. Now, what that means is that their workers who usually live at the factory, and it's, it's not as bad as it sounds, they live in dormitories on the factory grounds, go back to the provinces from wherever they came from, all over China. If you've ever been to China before Chinese New Year, it's a horrifying vision because everything is traveling. People are traveling by plane, by car, by bus, by bicycle, by mule pack any which way to get back to the provinces uh, for Chinese New Year. They stay there for a few weeks, and then they head back to the factories. This year, because of Chinese New Year, everybody's back home to diverse provinces. And then this coronavirus thing started hitting, which meant that people were not traveling back. Now, the factories are usually in five or six eastern provinces in China, depending on what you're manufacturing. Without workers, they can't do anything. So they're not coming back as, and there's always some loss, even on good years, they always have a certain percentage of employees that don't come back. 
Uh, but this particular year, it's a real issue. And so the factories are a standstill? Not completely. They're percentage. One company, one factory is about 40% staffed. Somebody else is about 65% or or so they tell me, and who the hell really knows the truth here. But the other problem is that you have to know your product. Most products, certainly if they have electronics in them or certain components, everything is not manufactured under one roof and one factory. The factories that we make contract with will finish a product, maybe do injection molding, assemble it, pack it out, and ship it. But a product might have multiple parts from different factories. So then we have to be concerned if the battery factory, if the PCB, the uh, printed uh, circuit board factory is producing, if even if you pack it in cartons, if the carton factory is producing, if the little printed bags that you put the product in or the printed instructions, if they're up and running, so without those component parts, you're stuck. Now, the component part manufacturers also provide components to factories all over the world. So automobile factories in the United States and Mexico, if they're not getting their wiring harnesses from the Chinese factory, they're stuck. So you can understand the, the rolling effect of having this problem. Now, we've diversified and we're opening up a factory or two in other countries. but That's for your products, right? For, for my, a couple of my products. Right. But, uh, and I, I'm always being approached by old clients, new clients, asking for advice as to what to do. But the real issue is that even with factories in third countries, you still have to get the subcomponents from China because there's nobody else who's manufacturing them. Wow, that's a really interesting twist, and the scale of the problem is huge. You can understand why the market has been so choppy lately with respect to the virus, because manufacturing could take a real hit here, could have a real impact on the economy. Well, it, it is already having impact, but it, you know, the potential is greater. Now, uh, you know, retailers not having product on shelves, automobile manufacturers, it, it affects really every industry. Uh, that deals with any kind of manufacturing in China. We're now finding out that pharmaceuticals, drugs, are being manufactured in, of all places, Hubei province, where Wuhan is. That's becoming, it hasn't really hit crisis point, but uh, I think a lot of people are waking up here and saying, you know, we have to take these industries back, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Now, there already was an issue even before coronavirus with the tariffs and the trade war. I know that with some of our products where we would normally pay 1.3% tariff, we're getting hit with 15% tariff wow. for things coming out of China. So there's an incentive to take it to other countries and manufacture in other factories. But multiply that out. And you could see how big of a problem this is. When I was at the toy fair last week, of course, you know, everybody is shipping from China. Of course, everybody was talking about the virus. And uh, the manufacturers that are usually just all over the vendors, they come every year. They're trying to get more toys. Nobody showed up. Manufacture Wasteland. And, and of course, now is the time when all the toy makers are taking orders for the holiday season. Right. This is when they're setting up and they're right. deciding what products they're going to do. And there's no manufacturing. There, there is no manufacturing. And part of the problem is, is that they can't get out of China. There are no flights out of China. So uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. I was going to miss your program because I was supposed to be in China. I, I don't know how to tell you this, but <laughs> I, I, I usually go to China. What? To, yeah, I know it's horrendous, and I need to be more connected. Like I said, but, but the uh, I just stay in the present. So, okay. I, 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 the present is I'm in. I'm here in New York City, but I was supposed to go. Uh, I had to cancel my flights three and a half weeks ago. I usually, after Chinese New Year, after the workers get back to the factories, I'm usually there. I usually look for new factories. I'm developing new products, as you know. And you want to meet with the factories, with the factory engineers in terms of production. And nothing. A lot of marketers, a lot of manufacturers, like, uh, example, Apple, 
uh, has gone into the manufacturing business recently. Now, for an iPhone, for just an iPhone, iPhone has 200 different parts to it from 40 to 43 different countries that all converge at the assembly factory in China. So the key is really uh, for any kind of manufacturers. I don't know when the coronavirus is going to end, but what I do know is that if you're manufacturing or developing a product, you better know what goes into your product. You better know how to manufacture your product. It's no longer just a widget. You have to know every single component and have a deep understanding of that. Actually, from what I understand, the PRC, People's Republic of China, is actually incentivizing workers, giving them bonuses, helping them travel to the factory because it's to China's interest to get manufacturing back up or else if it just keeps this way. They're going to they, lose a lot of business, right? They are already. Yeah. They have been already. Cut and sew operation, which is very low tech, you know, uh, sewing, uh, sneakers, things like that. Uh, that's been leaving, bleeding out of China for quite some time because you don't need a lot of technology. You need fabric, which unfortunately comes from China. You need uh, sewing machines. You need relatively low skills in production. What they're dealing with is the printing presses, the die cutting, the folding machines, which are costly. I don't know about $20 million, but they are costly. And uh, if you don't have all that, you might have heard the phrase supply chain. This is what we're talking about. Supply chain, the ability to have all these sub-factories produce the component that you need to complete the product. Well, maybe at yeah. the end of the day, it'll be good for the United States, yeah. at least maybe more jobs here. But I guess we just have to see how it all works out, right? Uh, we do, and hopefully deal with theft of IP. Right. And frankly, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, probably the best way to reach me is m uh, through my email address, which would be josh at archetypeltd.com, A-R-C-H-E, T-Y-P-E-L-T-D.com. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt, our special guest this evening, Josh Scharf, who explained to us all of the manufacturing challenges in China. Thank you very much. And we'll be right back after this commercial break. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventing a toz.com inventing a to z.com email me lisa at inventing a to z.com treat yourself to a day chock full of networking education music shopping and fun go to my website inventing a toz.com now back to passage to profit once again richard and elizabeth gearhart welcome back to the entrepreneur spotlight each presenter will have a total of six minutes to present their company the first two minutes they fly solo and so for that time describe their project and put it in the best possible light the remaining time is for the inquisition where they'll be challenged by richard elizabeth and liz to describe their project in greater detail so our first presenter this evening is Mark Goldner, who is a seasoned Passage to Profit veteran. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks for having me on again. Really appreciate it, Richard. And you too, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I'm one of the three founders of Golden Bell Studios. My two partners, uh, Rachel and Rob, could not make it here, but they say hello to everyone. Uh, so our company is a essentially a media-based uh, content company, and we also have a products division. So we range in everything from 2D hand-drawn animation uh, with the Valiard Mansion. We have a video game, Super Red Hot Hero, which is launching on October 31st of this year, um, which is like a side-scrolling platformer of like Super Meat Boy meets uh, Super Mario. Uh, we have our products division. We have the Marshfellows, which is one of our best-selling uh, stuffed animal plush toys. We have a very popular card game called Pretending to Grown Up. It's also tied with another one of our toys, Unipegasaurus, and we're developing a 
television uh, show and a concept pitch for that. So most of our products all have stories behind them that Rob, Rachel, and I have collaborated with other people. And one of how we originally met one of our other products, um, Lunar Baboon, which is one of the largest uh, web comics of in the slice of life category. Uh, right now, we just hit over a million followers on Facebook, so that was really cool. And yeah, we also work a lot with licensors like uh, Disney, uh, Sony, Nickelodeon on licensed content and products for toys and games. That sounds like a lot. So, <laughs> so where do you yes. find the inspiration for your characters? We have a mix of Rachel, Rob, and I had been uh, working together since 2014 when we were in college. Uh, we went to Ohio State, and we had decided that we were going to create a lot of concepts and characters, and we were writing screenplays, teleplays. Uh, we were in a bunch of screenwriting classes, and Rachel's been an artist for 20 years. So we started working on like different comics, and from there we had the idea to expand because we realized us three alone couldn't create all the content ourselves. So we were looking at acquiring a lot of content that we thought we could work on and look at bringing on new partners and then hiring freelancers. So there's kind of a mix of different approaches of how we would be able to grow. And we've been around now since for about six years. So the inspiration really comes from everything from like real life things like Rachel and I have two puppies. And so we have like just inspiration from them for like one of our, our shows that we're creating. Their names are Lucky and Lady. Um, then we just have like comedic things that happen in our like daily lives or just funny things in the business that were like, this would be really funny. So a mix of like comedy and then like a lot of like fantasy inspiration. So we each have like our own specific inspirations like i'm a big like fantasy uh guy rob loves sci-fi rachel loves a lot of like japanese foreign culture in anime so it's kind of like blending those things to create something that's at least new and different in terms of like content so how are you making money with this a lot of our distribution is primarily via amazon or direct we do a lot of trade shows conventions for consumers uh, we have a website where we sell direct. Uh, Amazon is huge. We just uh, got into Hot Topic, which is uh, really, really big for us. What is Hot Topic? Uh, Hot Topic is uh, a retailer that's, I think they have about 800 stores, and they also own, the parent company also owns Box Lunch, which is like a nostalgia-type store for people in the 90s and 2000s of like really uh, niche content. Um, of That's where like the licenses more fit in. What's the age range of your products? We set up the company with the mindset of being able to have content for all ages. So someone that would be a kid would be able to grow up and kind of grow up with our brand and then be able to experience like content from when they're a little kid to when they're 8 to 12, when they're 12 plus, and then when they're adults, we have like those more adult-oriented content. And that's something that we saw a lot of companies have stayed away from because they didn't want to mix like adult content with family content. And that was one of the differentiators when we said we're going to create a company that has a little bit of everything. That's really interesting. It's a hard thing to do. Do you follow the whole line all the way up through to a, a more mature approach in your stories? Yeah, that's funny that you said that. So when we're writing uh, a lot of these teleplays or pitch bibles or whatever they may be. We actually do write it with the idea that the story is actually getting more mature with the reader. There have been some shows that have been like that in the past. There aren't many uh, because a lot of shows kind of position themselves for, let's say, like a 5 to 10 age range. And they'll start with 5 and then go to 10. It does happen, but it's not exactly like the most common. But yes. So when you're writing a series... Do you know how it's going to end before you start, or do you just kind of go where it takes you? That's a great question, and not many people ask that. So uh, usually when we're writing stories, we have the concept of, like, what is this going to be? What is this world? And then we start developing some of the character ideas, the story plot lines, and just, like, broad strokes. But one of the first things that we do is we come up with the ending, and then we reverse engineer, essentially, how to get to that path. Because if you don't know where you're going, you could wind up writing 400 episodes. You may not have a real end goal, and then there could be a lot of, like, loose plot hole threads. You can have things that just don't make sense because you don't know where the characters are going to be going. And... That's actually one of the, sometimes the hardest things to do to be able to create a cohesive story that makes sense that people like because otherwise you can just have a show that's going on forever and then people are really let down by the ending. Wow, that's fascinating. Is that pretty much the way most creators create stories or 
is it just your style? I guess I, if I'm next time I'm watching television, I'm going to start thinking about what is the ending of this program? Yes they, and no. So different writers have different ways they tell a story. Some people write kind of the seat of their pants and they're adventuring with the, as you're writing, like this is how I write, where I'm experiencing the story as I write it. Some people like Rob, he is more structured. Um, he likes having an outline of like where we're going. And that's really one of the reasons why we work really well together. And Rachel's a broad strokes concept uh, type person. Be like, this I think would fit really well here. And that's why when uh, shows have writer's rooms, that's a big part of it. So one of my favorite shows I think we talked about last time is Lost. They knew where they were going. They knew where they wanted to end. But because there were writers that were shifting in the room, Damon had brought on Carlton Cuse and then they had kind of formulated, this is what we're doing with the show. And then when they knew that they had a definitive ending after the writer's strike, they said, okay, this is what we need to do and this is how to get there. So they didn't know exactly every season what it was going to be. They had these broad ideas and then things change because writers come in. You have quite a broad, diverse company appealing to a diverse market. So how are you marketing this? So... Primarily, we do Facebook advertising. Um, we have a very strong customer base that we're able to say, okay, so we can take this audience. We know what these people like, their interests, and then we can essentially be able to expand that. And then there's things like lookalike audiences where people that bought, then you can have people that are like 99% or 95% similar to that person that had bought it. And there's different platforms that you can do that with. Facebook is... I believe the most effective. I don't think that Twitter and Instagram advertising have been the most successful for our type of product-based stuff, but I know it does work for service stuff. And that's another business that I'm working on that I've noticed working on a legal innovation software that people are more likely to work that way on Twitter or respond to advertisements on Twitter or Instagram more so than Facebook. What about TikTok? Have you considered using that? I can tell you I am not the big social media guy. I know just more about the advertising of like targeting. Rachel is kind of working on that type of stuff with TikTok and Snapchat. So getting back to the advertising, I'm really curious. How do you advertise entertainment to get people to want to click in to see the show or use the game? That's a very complicated question because it is kind of a little bit different with each product. I can give an example. We have this stuffed animal, uh, the Wargi, which is from one of our games, Peasant Buffet, which in person at conventions, it flies off. Like we will sell a couple hundred and it'll just people see it. They're like, oh, my God, it's a Corgi dog that's going to war called the Wargi. It sells. And we have these ads on Facebook of like we have a puppet show. We have just images. We have videos and it doesn't really sell online and we can't figure out why. What, but then compared to the Marshfellows, we have an ad of just the Marshfellow. It's just he's essentially a white little Marshfellow character. And the ad on Facebook gets 55,000 likes and gets shared 20,000 times. You would think it's the same audience, but it's not. So it's kind of a case-by-case -case basis where we have to do these A-B testing and spend sometimes months finding who is the audience that's going to buy this. And then you replicate that audience and hope that it's not just 10,000 people. Do you actually do videos of your stories? I mean, is that how you bring people in? Like, would I go to Facebook and say, oh, you know, here's a little clip of this game that I could play. Or here's a little clip of, you know, how I would play with that. How do you really engage me in your game or in your video? This is my law student answer, which, Richard, you'll appreciate. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I, 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 I still use those still words use. to this day. Yep. Mm -hmm. It depends on who the product is geared to. So you, we can have some things that just tease the story for literally five seconds, somewhat more in-depth. So... With like our video game, we have a 55-second ad, which doesn't even talk about the story, but we wrote a 120-page screenplay for Super Red Hot Hero, which is essentially a comedy. But because the audience for that type of game are more gamers and less interested in the story, it's essentially like a bonus when they play the game, they'll experience the story. But then we have other things like Babies uh, or Valiard, which is a story that we do market right away from the get-go. Golden Bell Studios, right? Yes, goldenbellstudios.com, and you can get the, our products at goldenbelldirect.com, which is one of our partners that works on all our retail and distribution. Well, you've thrown out so many interesting-sounding <laughs> words as names. <laughs> it just makes me curious to go look. So uh, this has been Mark Goldner with Golden Bell Studios. Thank you very much. And you are listening to WOR 710.
with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest today, Liz Gall-Lerner, and we will be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearhart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearhartLaw.com. At Gearhart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. If you're just tuning in, don't worry. It'll be on the podcast tomorrow on iHeart. And also on our YouTube channel. Yeah, eventually. It goes on iHeart first. Yeah, and then it'll be on our YouTube channel. Absolutely. So please subscribe to the Passage to Profit Show YouTube channel. Right. Okay, so we are on to our final presentation. Last but certainly not least, this is really cool. I happened to look at the website. I was so impressed. So our presenter now is Paul Candle with Boast Groupware. Welcome. Oh, thank you very much for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, so I'll give you a little background on um, on what we're doing at Boast Group, where basically um, we've worked at a lot of different companies over the course of our careers, and the folks at Boast Group, where just got tired of using individual applications every day to do our job. So we're in one place putting our documents, we're in another place putting our sales opportunities, then we've got to log in somewhere else to have an online meeting. Uh, so we basically decided to build a platform where you log in with one username and password, and you can do everything right from there with the click of the mouse on little icons at the top of the screen. Um, so basically what that does in a way is it really transforms from the old way of buying software to a new way of buying software. And the old way is buy one thing that does one thing. And, you know, it has a whole ton of features that you don't use or you don't need, but, you know, they're in there just in case. Our mantra is keep it simple. Don't pay for features you don't need. And don't be fooled when you buy something if they say, oh, there's integration partners or there's connectivity. That's great. That just means you have to buy the other thing, too. It doesn't come for free. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, then you have to hope it really does integrate, and you probably have to pay somebody to help integrate it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. That's Absolutely. the other piece, right? The hidden cost is, well, now I have something over there, and I need it over here. How do I get it there? And then there's always somebody with their handout that says, I can help you do that. So our system is completely integrated, again, all in one place. So you don't have to do that to make it work effectively and to be able to really function and be efficient. And everybody knows that buying a bundle of services or a bundle of anything is much cheaper than buying everything independently. So you get efficiency by doing it in one place and you get cost savings as well. So uh, just a very different approach to the way software is actually deployed and managed. And then one other piece of it that makes us, I call us the anti-SaaS company because it is software as a service, it is in the cloud. Uh, we actually do all the configuration support for our customers as well. So uh, when you start to look at something, one of the things you wonder is what's the total cost of ownership? And a lot of folks will say, I can get this software for X per user per month, but that's just the license fee. That's not the total cost of ownership, whether you ask somebody or pay somebody to help you or you hire somebody to work in your company to administer it or change it. So we are a SaaS company, but we also provide that level of service and support, which makes it really attractive for companies so they don't have to try to manage it themselves. So what are the component pieces that you, I know you have a direct Zoom link, which I thought was very cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's 18 modules. So I won't go through every single one of them, but there's CRM. What is CRM? Well, it, it CRM is probably, I just gave a seminar on this a few weeks ago, actually. It's probably <laughs> the biggest buzzword, or buzz acronym in the industry today. So it should be customer relationship management. Um, and, you know, it'll start at the top with salesforce.com and work its way down to everybody else. Uh, a place where you can keep your contacts, create 
plans, record interactions or calls, you know, keep all your sales stuff in one place. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a big element of our solution is a simple CRM with an opportunity management system where you can say, this is the phase of my deal and all those type of things. Then it kind of crosses over into project management where you can set up your projects, track your time, have your time codes to really track after you get that deal. You know, how are we doing? How much time are we spending? What does it cost? And then there's a whole collaboration set, document management, the Zoom integration with online meetings, the Twilio integration for SendGrid and emails and things like that. An unbelievable uh, contact management platform where it really takes everything that you do at the customer level and posts it in one place. Did you develop your own email system or is this something that you're using from Microsoft or Gmail? How does that work? Uh, the way it works is in the system, we're using Twilio SendGrid to send out. So we have email templates. We also have a freeform email. So you go into your contact and right from the contact, you generate the email. You can either pick a template, type one, send it straight out of the system. So, And then when that happens, if the person responds, it'll come back to your Gmail account or your Outlook account, et cetera. Can you use that like constant contact? Like you would use constant contact to send out a mass email? You could do that. That is an option. If you had a list of folks that you wanted to bring in, say, these are my prospects, I'm going to set up you know, a campaign and email it out, you could do that. Uh, we're not really trying to be a marketing engine like that. You know, When you do a constant contact or something like that, you're getting clicks and opens and a whole bunch of metrics around mm -hmm. that. You can use it for, you know, I went to a conference. I want to follow up with the 50 people I met. I saw you at the conference. Here's our brochure. You know, it would work for things like that. I wouldn't put it on the scale of a, you know, a high-end CRM system. But, you know, on that roadmap, you know, we've already integrated Microsoft Outlook and Dynamics and a whole bunch of other things, you know, on that list is Constant Contact and a few other systems as well. What size company are you interested in having use your systems? Yeah, great question. We're in the SMB space, right? So we're everything from the mom and pops to the mid-tier, 200 employees or less is probably the sweet spot of where we're sitting right now. Uh, the platform could easily be an enterprise install, but that requires a lot more connectivity to other huge systems like Oracle and things like that. So we're really sitting in the SMB space right now. And why would somebody choose your system as opposed to different systems that they have now? What's the motivation for that? Yeah, the motivation is certainly ease of operation. Cost savings is another one. And you know, the hidden one, which nobody really thinks about, is employee satisfaction. This isn't a knock to anybody. I ran a company for a long time, and I had 150 employees. I never walked around and said, how do you like the tools I've given you to do your job? I did present at a conference in front of about 500 people, and I, that was my first slide. Do you really love the tools that the company's given you to do your job? And you know, everybody started cracking up and looking at each other, <laughs> point, pointing at the boss on the other side of the table, <laughs> which you gave me stinks, you know. Um, so it's really about having something all in one place. And you have to be a transformational leader to think that way. You have to say, all right, are my people using what I'm giving them? Do they like what I'm giving them? And are they going to be more productive if I give them something they really like? And oh, by the way, hmm, probably could save some cost. Uh, but you can't be the person that's sitting on the, the software you have. Uh, and I ask people all the time, I say, how invested are you in the software? And that's not financially. It's either emotionally, like I made the decision, so I don't want to get rid of it. Or if your company's really embedded in something, you know, our, our mantra is we're not here to boil the ocean and say, get rid of everything. If you have something that you love and you use it all the time and you're really invested, keep it. And we'll integrate everything else we have with it. So we're not coming in saying clean house because that's just unreasonable. Nobody would want to do that. So, you know, keep the things that are real core to your business. And if you put five years into whatever that is, keep using it. But think about all the other things you either don't have or have, you know, manual processes or using Excel spreadsheets to do expenses, things like that. Think about there's a place where you could actually get it all at a reasonable price and bring your business either to the next level or be a lot more efficient. So, Paul, would you call this an ERP system? It looks a lot like one, but a little different. So we put one in that it was a long, arduous process, and it still doesn't do everything that we had hoped it would do right. when we started out. So do you consider this an ERP system? I wouldn't call it an ERP system. Uh, it's really a business operations platform, and that's where Bose came from, Business Operations Activity Simplification Toolkit. Big mouthful, but that's what it is. Uh, it's really not an ERP system per se. It's really your business operations platform, the place where you know all the things you need to do to do your job are in one place. 
those some of the bigger ERP systems we would integrate with that and exchange data because behind okay. the system's a huge data warehouse. So I do like the one feature where it's one password to log into everything. <laughs> that is really nice because <laughs> it's like, ah, what was the password to get into our Zoom account again? I don't know. I've got what, this what notebook that's yeah. like an inch and a half thick with all my passwords. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So what's your website? Boastgroupware.com, B-O-A-S-T, groupware.com. Okay. I, it's definitely worth taking a look at if especially if you're having some frustrations right now. It looked like a really good system when I looked at the website. So, And if you're awesome. a new business just starting out and you're not invested in other systems, it sounds like something you should consider. Absolutely. We also have a password vault to keep all those passwords you can't, you can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to remember the password to the password vault. Right. Well, it's the boast password. It's only one. <laughs> okay. So Super. thank you. So this was Paul Candle with boastgroupware.com. You are listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart, our special guest today, Liz Gall-Lerner, and we will be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearhart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearhart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. This was pretty much an amazing show. It was a diverse show, but a lot of really great information. Absolutely. I mean, where else are you going to hear about chicken with sunglasses? (laughs) (laughs) Something we all need to know. Something we all need to know. (laughs) Yes. In summary, we had Liz Gall-Lerner. YourInspiredChoices.com. We had Josh Scharf. Then we also had Mark Goldner with GoldenBellStudios.com and Paul Kando with BoastGroupware.com. And before we sign off, I want to thank everybody for coming. Liz came up from D.C. Yeah, such a pleasure to be here with you guys. So oh, much fun. Yeah, yeah we definite, loved it. Definitely great to have you. Before we sign off, do you have any words of wisdom for our audience? Just keep breathing. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds very fundamental. I'm definitely in the present right now, by the way. Yes. Yes, me too. (laughs) Present and accounted for. I feel like I went a little bit along the way on the passage to profit today. (laughs) I feel like listening to Liz and learning how I can fix myself a little more. But it's really true, though. I mean, I think how we progress in our careers has a lot to do with how we progress as people, right? And if you get more confident, you get more experience, it all makes a difference to what you can do for yourself and for other people. It sounds like a pretty high level of maturity. (laughs) And I've seen the most immature people attain it. Wow. (laughs) There's hope for the rest of us. (laughs) It's connecting the head and the heart. So true. We would also like to thank our media maven, Kenya Gibson, our scrumptious producer, Noah Fleischman, and the whole iHeart team. And don't forget to join us next week, listeners, for more excellent speakers and more excellent presenters. And you can start thinking about what you want to talk about when you come on the show. (laughs) Absolutely. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt on iHeartRadio with Passage to Profit, WOR 710, the voice of New York. 